Welcome to the archive section. These are some of the first shows that I ever did as a podcaster. And back then, I was so new. I just had a phone. I had zero idea what I was doing. But I decided to jump in with both feet, start my own podcast. And as you will see through this archive section, I start off a little rough. But as the episodes go on, you can tell that I started to get a little more confident, started to gain a footing. And it kind of is a really cool way for me to come back, listen to these episodes, just to see where it all started for me and how I got better as I went along. So I decided, instead of deleting all these old episodes, why not put them in an archive section so even you guys can check them out and just, you know, have a great time listening to some of these older episodes. And don't forget, though, to start checking out the newer stuff that I'm posting because I am going to be posting often. And I have some amazing guests that I interview in these upcoming shows. We talk about so many different important topics. So I hope that you check out uh, my channel often because I will be uploading a lot of great stuff. So thank you guys for all your support. And please enjoy this archive section. Welcome everybody to Crip Rick's. I've been thinking, that's right, this is episode two. Want to welcome everybody. It is February 15th. That is the day after Valentine's Day. So I hope everybody had a great Valentine's Day. Got all your uh, significant other ones, loved ones, some candy and some chocolates and all that stuff. You know, get yourself uh, all ready for the evening and do some serious fucking that's what she's all about on Valentine's Day. You know, get yourself, your loved one, some candy, some chocolates, take him out to dinner, maybe a movie. But in the end game, you know, it's all down to, you know, you just want to get your fuck on. <laughs> but anyways, want to welcome you all, like I said. And uh, this is episode two. And uh, not happy to say that episode one, I think, got exactly one view. And, or, well, I should say one listen, because nobody's watching shit, but it definitely got one uh, listen, which I, I'm pretty sure it was by me, but, hey, what the hell, you know, maybe this will catch on, maybe people will start listening, uh, start interacting, maybe asking me some questions, uh, I, here on Anchor here, this is the platform I'm using right now is Anchor, as I said in my first episode, if you do want to uh, go back and listen to it, I am explaining to people that, I'm basically uh, learning how to do this from scratch, and uh, so I'm starting to use the app Anchor, and from what I can see, there is a option there for people that listen to this podcast that they can go ahead and ask questions, send me a, a questions, and etc., and uh, I can answer them for you, uh, make you part of the conversation, which would be really cool. I would like to start getting some people who regularly listen to this. Uh, podcast and start interacting with you. And today was uh, this podcast. I, I originally wanted to start doing this podcast at least a few times a week, but I put a lot of uh, thought into this podcast episode two. And um, to be quite honest, uh, I don't think I, I can be on. I, I can be honest enough to say that I really was hesitant about making this episode. I, I played with it in my mind for the last 
week whether or not I should do it, whether these are things I wanted to reveal, and uh, events that happened yesterday, uh, basically what pushed me over the threshold to decide that I was going to do this uh, podcast and uh, on this subject, and the subject that I'm, I want to talk about in this episode is uh, chronic pain. Uh, chronic pain and uh, the medical profession and doctors, etc., and what they are doing and what they're not doing for people that are in chronic pain. And before I tell you my story, uh, I just want to let you, I want to tell you is all what brought me to the point of today doing this podcast. Like I said, something yesterday pushed me over the edge and I realized that this is something that needs to be talked about and it's something more prevalent in the world and bigger than I thought it was because I kind of didn't really pay much attention to it. Um, and that was yesterday, uh, I went for an appointment to a medical marijuana uh, clinic. And uh, it's something I've been uh, treating myself with for my condition for over two years now. Uh, definitely not with the medical grade stuff, but you know, you're not, you guys aren't idiots. You know, there is ways to get marijuana, especially now that here in Canada, it's pretty much legal. And at this clinic, I just was totally amazed at the amount of people going in and out of this clinic. Like, it was totally mind-blowing to me. Like, I did not expect that. I'm not sure what the fuck I was expecting, but it definitely wasn't that. And surprisingly, you know, I thought if I did see people there, that they were all going to be younger people, you know? Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I thought people were just going to be going and hoping they could get uh, this medical marijuana just because they wanted to get high in that. And uh, found a, you know, a way to go about it, not really thinking, you know, they don't need to go to a clinic to do that. It's more than easily to get your hands on marijuana these days, that's for sure. But I could not believe the amount of uh, older people, both sexes, male, female, uh, definitely a lot of older people and uh, middle-aged people. And you could tell just by how these people walked in or walked out of this clinic that they were in some severe fucking pain, you know, severe pain. And it just made me really open my eyes to how many people are looking into this uh, treatment as a way to deal with uh, whatever conditions they, they're dealing with, uh, chronic pain issues or whatever, what it might be. Now, in my case... Uh, I suffer from a condition uh, called AS, which is basically ankylosing spondylitis. Uh, and if you any of you rock fans out there uh, that follow heavy metal or the hard rock bands will definitely know that uh, the guitarist for Motley Crue, Mick Mars, suffers from the exact same condition that I have. Uh, like I said, ankylosing spondylitis. And uh, they basically, the another name for it, they call it is bamboo spine, which basically is, um, if you look at a person that has ankylosing spondylitis, it 
what this disease does, it's an autoimmune disease uh, classified, I think it's pretty much classified in the arthritis family. Well, I know it's classified in the arthritis family. And what this disease does over time is painfully fuse your spine together. It's, it's that simple. It fuses the vertebrae in your spine together basically so as the disease progresses you can't move your spine you're totally fused in whatever position that your spine fuses from your tailbone right to the top of your your skull like your neck and all i mean everything gets fucking fused with this disease and as a side kicker to the disease you know not that that's not painful enough and destructive enough it can also in rare cases affect the hip joints which is very common uh, and in some cases, uh, the knees. And I can thankfully say that it never did affect my knees or any other parts of my body, like my hands or my feet or anything. But it has definitely, over the years, fucked up my 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 spine and also my hips. Um, I got this disease. I first found out, or, or I should say before I get to that, that I basically started showing symptoms of this disease not knowing any better around the age of 15 which it in most cases with men it does hit them at a younger age and from the research i've done it is supposedly more dominant in females females seem to get this a lot now to be honest i've never met a female that has ankylosing spondylitis but i have met surprisingly a couple men and even heard uh, a few, a lot of people actually on YouTube uh, talk about this. It's a much more common condition than I ever thought or I would have ever thought. Like when I first got my condition, when I was uh, started showing signs, I should say, when I was 15. Now you got to remember, this was back in the, in the early 80s where I don't really think they knew a whole lot about this disease. It was actually described to me as a very rare disease that uh didn't happen that often that's how it was explained to me back then now i think since then times have changed and uh research and looking into this is more and i think it's a lot more common than people really thought that's just from what uh the research i've i've uh uncovered over the years and seen on youtube videos and other uh websites and that is that this is actually a very uh, not common, but it's more common than I thought. And which also I got to say, like totally, since I'm a heavy metal fan, as you would know from my first episode, if you do take the time to listen to it, which I would love, I'd like to get at least three viewers on this episode. You know, if I can get one viewer, two viewers per episode, I mean, hey, who the, the sky's the limit. You know, in a year or so, maybe I'll have ten viewers. <laughs> you know, but that's okay. I mean, I'm hoping that this catches on and people see some value in what I'm saying, get a little humor out of it. And like I said, with my podcast, I just want to be 100% honest with you. I want to speak truth in whatever subject I talk about. And hopefully I don't wander too much on the subjects, but I will try to keep on ta uh, point. Uh, there's no scripting in this or anything. This is just me talking into a microphone and speaking my truth and hopefully some people find uh some 
value in that, some entertainment, which would be great. And I'm always open to if anyone ever wants to send me questions or a message or anything on this podcast, I will definitely answer the questions. But back to my story, uh, as I was saying, as a heavy metal fan, you can just, I could not, you could not imagine the surprise and shock when I found out that Mick Mars of Motley Crue, their guitarist, had the same disease as me. And I remember seeing a documentary on YouTube about the band, and I could not believe that, you know, our disease was basically, I think, at the same point in its, uh, in the length of our disease, how long we've had it. I mean, we, I mean, when I looked at him, I saw me the same hunch. That's an awful thing about this fucking ankylosing spondylitis. Uh, they know a lot more now and stuff, but back in my day, when I was younger, they didn't know a lot about, uh, you know, the importance of exercising and, making sure that you sit perfectly straight sitting up because over the years you'd be surprised how fusion by fusion of each vertebrate you start to get this awful hunch and it start my hunch is actually quite bad and I'm looking into getting surgery to try to straighten me up a little bit because from about my mid chest level that's where my hunch really kicks in and you know I basically look like a you know my whole back is fused my neck is totally fused I can't turn my head left or right I can't look up and down I'm basically you know hunched over and I look like a you know like a monkey fucking a football is what I basically always describe it as and the back when I was uh like I said showing signs at the age of 15 that I went to the doctor because what first started happening with my disease was I, I would be walking and my hips would just give out. I would just be walking and there would be no pain. There would be no warning. I would just be walking and it was like somebody swept the legs out from underneath me and I'd land on my ass or on my knees or something. And I still remember it clear as day. It happening a few times in my mother's kitchen when I was talking to her and I just giggled about it. You know, I just thought it was funny as hell. You know, you got to go back to when you're 15 years old, you know, you're not, you're not the most mature, you're not thinking like anything's wrong, you think you're invincible, you don't think anything like this could ever happen, you, you know, it doesn't even cross your fucking mind that you're going to have a disease or something like that, I just remember that, you know, giggling about it and, like, you know, just saying stupid stuff like, oh, that, that, that was weird, you know, and at first my mom just looked at me funny and, but after it happened a few times and she noticed that she knew something was definitely wrong and I did too I was like this isn't normal you know like you can't be just walking along and your feet give out for your you know your legs give out for no reason and also around that time I remember a lot of the times I would wake up in the mornings after sleeping and my my lower back would just be fucking killing me like, it felt, I used to say to my mom, like, did you come down into my room in the middle of the night and, like, kick the shit out of me on my back? Like, did you stomp all over my back? It was that intense of a pain, which everyone I told that to, they were like, it's growing pains. That's all that I heard. You wouldn't believe how many times I fucking heard that from people I told, doctors, physiotherapists. It's growing pains. Don't worry. You know, this is normal. And I was always thought to myself, 
you know, this is not fucking normal. I'm hanging around a lot of young people that are my age, my friends, and they're not walking along and all of a sudden their legs are giving out and they're falling or they're not screaming, you know, telling me in the morning they're waking up with excruciating back pain. And the, the bad part about that gave these doctors their ammo against me was that I, I, at that age of 15, I must've grew about a foot. Like I, I sprouted up over the course of a summer holidays from school. Like I just shot up like a bean pole. Like it was incredible. I could not believe how much I shot up in height. So with that being said, that did leave a little, that give the, the, did give the doctors a little credibility into my, you know, them saying it was growing pains and it kind of made sense at the time. I mean, it does make sense, you know, you're growing really fast, your body's going through some severe changes when you're growing, when you start shooting up like that. And you can see that you might actually, you know, uh, these might be symptoms of it, but still, I remember that the, you know, I kind of put at the back of my head, it wasn't a pain that happened every time I woke up and these, uh, leg collapses were, that's what I like to call them, where my, basically my legs collapsed out from, collapsed out from under me, just, you know, it would go for months and months and I wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. It would just be random times that this would happen. So it did lead some credibility to the growing pain thing. But then, when I really knew something was wrong, and I think my family started to know too, is when I got the hip pain. Uh, the hip pain started as a dull ache and just got worse and worse over the months. It was incredible, to the point where I didn't, I could barely even walk some days. It was that excruciating. The pain would be in my lower back and definitely in my hips. And I can say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the disease was, it started in my lower back, but it went straight to my hips, which I heard is very uncommon uh, from this disease, but it definitely went with to my hips. And uh, in the probably the course of maybe two years, it was to the point where I couldn't barely walk. I mean, every, every step I took was just excruciating. Like there, I stopped going out with my friends um, I just, I couldn't fucking walk. I couldn't keep up with them anymore. You know, they were going, walking to their friends places, walking to the mall, uh, walking on, you know, at that age, you walk everywhere and ride your bike or whatever. And there was definitely no fucking riding a bike at when my hips were at that state. And I remember going for, to doctors, bringing this up and them giving me test after test and blood test after blood test. I mean, these people were fucking vampires and, but they always came back with, we don't know what it is. We think it might be, you know, arthritis. They thought it was Lyme's disease. Cause I was always, as a young kid out in the, in the wilderness, I was always camping. I was always out in the yards and that. So, you know, that made sense too. Maybe it was Lyme's disease. I actually uh, got myself tested about three years ago for Lyme's disease again. About every three years, I, I go to the doctor and get him to test me for it because all the symptoms for Lyme's disease really seem to have a, a parallel uh, symptoms in the early stages to, to this ankylosing spondylitis. So I will call it AS from this point on because... Anglosing spondylitis is just a too long of a word for me. Long of words to say. 
So, I finally got the doctors after they tested the shit out of me and bled me dry. Finally sent me to a doctor in Toronto, a specialist, uh, for arthritis and stuff. Because they were pretty sure that I had arthritis. They just didn't, they couldn't put their finger on what it was. And I remember going to this specialist and him, I told him my symptoms, you know, like you do when you meet a doctor for the first time. And he said, I just got to do one blood test for you. I was really surprised. I thought he was going to say, I want to do a battery of blood, but he really didn't. He just said, I think I know what it is, but I need to do a blood test to be sure of this. And did the blood test, came back, you know, hour to, I don't fucking know, a couple hours later. And he's like, yep, we know what it is. And I was, I remember my first thought was how the fuck did this guy i've been getting bled by these vampires in my hometown for a year and a half and they can't figure out what it is and this specialist met me for like 10 minutes did one blood test and figured it out i was just i've always found that amazing i've i've told that story to my friends and i'm like it was just fucking amazing that this guy just honed in on it that quick like he just he knew like he i know he knew he like he said i think i know what it is i'm 100 almost 100 percent sure but i have to do the blood work to verify it so he did tell me that that is what i had and uh basically uh broke down what i was in store for and that it was definitely more in my hips than my back at this point uh, it was in my lower, like, tailbone area, starting to do its thing, fused the vertebrae together, and, well, it, uh, very painfully, but it was definitely in my hips, and I remember really fighting it for a, a few years, like I, like I said, I was around 15 when I started getting the symptoms, and, uh, probably got diagnosed when I was 16, 16-ish, maybe 17, Hard to say exactly, but I remember by the age of 19, my hips were completely fucked. Like, it was at that point where I I should have been in a wheelchair, but I've always refused to get into one. I've always, like, it's just something in me, and I will never get in one. I just, that is something I put in my mind, and I'm not saying that that's what everybody should think. It's uh, just something I've had in my head. I'm like, I'm not letting this disease ever put me to the point where I can't at least walk to where I got to go. As painful as it is, or was, I, that was something I was just dead against. And But by the age of 19, uh, I should have been in one, by or at least by the age of 20. My hips were that deteriorated. And that's when I went and looked into seeing a specialist you know a really cool motherfucker one of the best in the business i was very fortunate i think he's retired now but you know he's uh doesn't do the actual surgeries anymore i think he still teaches and has a clinic where he teaches uh his students which i think is amazing because this guy he's truly brilliant at what he does you know you gotta remember that back when i had my what basically happened was uh, after meeting this surgeon and specialist, him taking a thousand x-rays, I've probably been radiated more times than most people, that they did realize that I would have to have a double hip replacement, which, you know, I was about 20 years old at the time when we were talking about this, which is, if anyone remembers, that's around my age, was fucking unheard of 
when you were like 19 or 20 years old, they didn't even, that was something they didn't really even consider unless the extreme circumstances. I remember like him telling me like, this is just not done. You know, we usually do hip replacements. When you think of hip replacements, you think of your old fucking grandmother who hobbles around on her walker going to bingo and shit, you know, and that's what I always thought too. But he was like, no, you'd need these double hip replacements uh, as soon as possible because he was totally amazed from the look of the x-ray that I could even walk on my hips at all. He basically said that the joints in my hips, both of them were like mashed potato. There was nothing there. There was no hip ball. There was no fucking hip bone. There was no hip, like, ball of the joint. I was walking basically on bone to bone, is what he said. Like, he couldn't believe that I was still walking. Now, by that point, I finally was walking with a cane. I gave into that because it did help a lot. Uh to get you know short distances so he was still totally uh, fucking amazed that i was still able to walk at all even with a cane and i remember him saying that you know to do a hip replacement at that age is unheard of like it's so rare but i also remember telling him at that time like listen i don't want to be in this kind of chronic fucking pain until i'm 60 years old i would like to have a life now you know, like I'm only seven, you know, I'm only at this time, I'm 20 years old, 21 years old, dating an amazing woman who would turn out to be my wife that I've had for the last 20 years. Uh, you know, lots of cool friends still at that time. And I remember telling this specialist, like, I don't want to wait till I'm 50 or 60 years old to get these hips. Like, I, I won't need them back then. You know, I, when I'm like 67 years old, you know, I'm not going to need new hips. To go, what, to sit on a couch and watch TV, go fucking play bingo, whatever the fuck old people do, I don't know. I need them now. I got a life now I want to live. I got lots of shit I want to do. I need these hips. And it was great, because he basically agreed with me. He basically said, you know, you're right. You know, it's you're probably going to need new hips in 10 years, because back then that's what they said the shelf life of artificial hips were was if you took care of them, 7 to 10 years. Mind you to say, I've had mine in me for 20 years now and still going on them. So that's just a testament to how fucking amazing this surgeon was. And to tell you that I got pain relief from these hip replacements would be an understatement. It was a fucking miracle. I could not believe waking up from that surgery... After getting my first hip replacement and the relief I felt, I could not believe it. To I always, I told, I remember telling the nurses that I don't feel any pain at all. They're like, well, you must have some fucking pain. You just had a hip, full hip replacement. I was like, no, I don't feel any pain at all. Like the pain was so extreme from my hips being deteriorated that a full hip replacement didn't fucking hurt as much. Like, I felt relief. For the first time in years, I had no pain in that hip. And then basically a year later, they wanted to do both hips at the same time. That was scheduled for the day that I went into surgery. And while on the fucking table in the operating room, right before they put me out, I remember calling the, the doctor over saying, whoa, 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 Let, let's just do one. Like I was totally freaked out. I'm like, I, I don't want to do both. It's going to make uh, recovery twice as long. I don't even know what one hip replacement feels like. I think I'll just stick with one. We'll do the worst one first. 
which he laughed at, you know, he said, well, they're both fucked, you know, pick one, because they're both the same, so, got the left one done first, needless to say, and, uh, I'm glad I made that decision, because, uh, it made my recovery very easy with just the one done, and then waiting in a year to get the second one done, and I just want to say to anybody out there that is having problems with their hips, or they're getting ready for a hip, they're, they're talking about or thinking about getting a hip replacement, you got to do it. I mean, as scary as it is, I cannot recommend it more. You have to do it. It is that fucking... Dra it is that amazing, and it... That... It's like a rebirth when you when you get out of that chronic pain like i know the pain that you people that are that have hip problems must be feeling i know what you're feeling and despite whether you have ankylosing spondylitis as whatever you know there is other conditions that cause you to have bad hips that need replacing it happens all the time from either working out too much uh being too active uh wear and tear of just life itself or wear and tear if you're in the sports and that don't be scared to get this hip replacement if you need it. Uh, now, don't ask me about knees. I've never had to, thank God, do that. I've seen people have had to have knee replacements, and to me, that looks like a fucking horror show compared to a hip replacement. I mean, I've seen it. When I got, I remember when I got my hip replacement done, my first one, the guys in the bed, the guy in the bed next to me had a, a one knee replaced, and I remember looking over, and his knee was no word of a lie the size of a fucking bowling ball. And about as black as it, too. Like, that bruised. It was just incredible. And I remember looking down at my hip that I just had replaced. And I saw the stitches where they, you know, stapled me up. But it was a quite a long scar. And my ass cheek was black as leather. Uh, bruised, which stayed bruised like that probably for a good six months. I remember my wife laughing at me because one of my ass cheeks was, you know, ghost white. And the other one was black as leather. I still remember that, too. And a little tender in that, but nothing compared to what this guy went through with knee surgery. I mean, I was I got my hip replaced, and I was actually up and walking on crutches on my new hip the next day. This guy was still in bed in agony with this swollen fucking knee that got replaced. And I remember I was in the hospital with my hip replacement probably for, I think, three days. And I was, by that third day, I was walking with just my cane. And he was still in bed. He had not even got out of bed yet. So I can't even imagine. I'm hopefully, I'm you know, you got to remember, this was a lot of years ago. So I'm hoping that knee surgery has gotten better since then. I know the, the definitely hip surgery has gotten better since then. So I can only imagine how amazing hip surgery is now and I hopefully knee surgery is just as good but that's that is basically how the story of my disease now like I said uh double hip replacement and my spine is fully fused now it's been fully fused now probably for a few years to the point where it finally fused my neck and that and I got like I said this awful hunch over where I'm kind of like hunched over like an old person, you know, like you see those old people walking all hunched over and that, that's basically me, and uh, very self-conscious of it, I hate it, I fucking hate my disease, always have, and one of the things I, like I said, that, that I, 
wanted to also discuss in this podcast is that, you know, back when I got my di- diagnosed with my disease, they really, you have to remember when somebody's at uh, 15 or 16 years old, they're not mature at that level, at that age. You know, they don't have a lot of comprehension skills, life skills dealing with stuff in life skills you know back you know when you're that age what do you think about you're thinking about in my case I was thinking about music girls getting laid and going out drinking with my friends that that's what I basically my life consisted of and going to fucking school which I hated too as you guys found out in my first episode if you listen to it so that's the one thing I can say that they didn't provide, and it's something that definitely needs to be provided for, and I'm hoping they do it now, is that, you know, they should have had me in counseling uh, the day they diagnosed me. You know, I, I they, they should have had me, like, right from the diagnosing, like, right from the doctor's office, like, diagnosing me right down to the clinic, like, to talk to a psychologist or a shrink or whoever the fuck you talk to, but, you know, somebody going through trauma because... You know, at that age, your your brain cannot comprehend what you're being told. Like, when you're being told that you have this disease that, over the years, is going to slowly fuse you up, cripple you up, uh, destroy your hips, which it was doing to mine. They told me that that's basically, my hips are going to be no good in a couple of years. Uh, you can't comprehend that. You just, you, at that age, you don't, you think, like I said earlier, you think you're invincible at that age. You don't think that anything like that can hurt you. You don't think, you, you just don't think shit like that can happen to you. And uh, they didn't provide anybody to talk to. I remember, you know, just... At first, you definitely, like, to me, it's when you get diagnosed with something like that, and I'm pretty sure it would be like that with any disease that you get diagnosed with that is a serious disease, which pretty much I think any disease would be classified as that, is that it's like going through the stages of of a death that you have to deal with. You know, at first, you like, in my case, I, I laughed about it when I got diagnosed. I'm like, ah, fuck it. You know, it's no big deal. I'll deal with it uh, it's not going to get to me, you know, even though it was already kicking my ass when they diagnosed me, I could barely walk, uh, my back was, lower back was killing me every morning, took me hours to get up and moving and work my back out so I could function for the day and stuff like that, and so you don't really let it bother you that much, and then as you slowly, the pain creeps in and, and you start feeling the effects of the disease more, um, then you start getting angry. I remember getting very angry and lashing out at people and lashing out at, at friends. And I went through a period where I pushed everybody away. Everybody. I would have, you know, friends back then who they don't, and I have to, I can't hold my friends, you know, that I had back then. I can't get mad at them for how they reacted. Some of them didn't understand. Some of them got which surprised me so it, it freaked some of my friends out so bad they just stopped hanging out with me because i i honestly i know now because i've gotten a lot older that they just they couldn't comprehend it themselves they didn't know how to react to me they didn't know how to deal with it themselves 
you know, they didn't know what to say to me or how to help me. And uh, so, you know, when they backed away, I, I got mad at them because I thought they were deserting me, which caused me to push away the people that were close to me. I just, I wanted everybody away from me. I just wanted, I hated everybody. I hated everything for a, a period of time. I just lashed out and God forbid who was in the path of my wrath back then. Like I would just snap on people and... I remember, you know, girls I was hanging out with or would call me to talk to me and I would just not want to talk. I'd just be mean to them. I would say mean things just to make them stop calling, just stop caring. That's what I it, it, I wanted them to do was stop caring. And I got upset also because I remember saying to people, like, stop treating me like I'm fucking broken. I'm not broken you know, like, I'm not, I'm the same person I was before my diagnosis, I'm not, I'm not broken, I'm still here, you know, but they, people treat you different when they find out that you have a, a disability, it's, it's a weird thing, you know, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with, they just don't know how, how to take it, they don't have any experience with that, they don't understand uh, what you're going through, which, which, I mean, how can they, that would be like me trying to understand somebody that's got severe cancer or uh other disability i can't i can sit there and say that i understand but i really don't fucking understand what they're going through how could i i'm not in their shoes so i just remember going through that you know where i was pushing people away and and stuff and then slipping into a depression which you know would go come on and off i remember getting very depressed for a long time uh but it would come on and off. And that's, you know, when my depression hit, uh, when I first got diagnosed, which I think I said I was around 17 or so when I got diagnosed, that's when, when I couldn't deal with that depression anymore, that's when I turned to drinking uh, heavy. And I still remember going down to the, the local uh, uh, restaurant where they served alcohol. And I just remember, you know, they didn't even ask me for ID back then or anything. I just, I guess I looked of age. I don't fucking know. I was probably 17 or 18, back, probably around 18 back then, almost 19. So I don't think they really cared. I was pretty much of age. And I remember getting my first, like, beer, ordering my first beer and drinking that and just walking around all fucked up and shit, you know, like, oh, fucking drunk. You know, one beer, I still remember that, like, just fucking totally smashed on one one and a half beers I was gone and uh but it did make me feel better it made me forget shit I didn't feel that emptiness and that pain inside of from finding out that I had this disease you know and I wish I knew back then what I know now you know that's an old saying but I just wish I knew back then somebody could have sat me down I would I probably wouldn't have listened but I wish I would have listened to people saying listen this is a disease that it doesn't happen overnight. Ankylosing spondylitis, not one day you got, you know, you're walking around fine and next day your your spine's fused. This is a disease that takes years and years to do the damage. It's painful as fuck. I'm not going to ever say that from, you know, from the start of it, it's not painful. There's days that I can't even, I couldn't even get out of bed. There's still days now where I'm pretty much rode off. Like if it's raining, fucking forget it. If it's damp out, forget it. Thank God I don't live in like Vancouver or someplace where it's fucking damp all the time. I remember 
people laughing and like teasing with me saying you need to move to arizona you know do a fucking desert and i you know that would not a bad idea if i you know but i live in canada and we have no deserts that i know of but you know arizona at that time you know wouldn't be a bad idea living out in the desert and shit not that i want to deal with scorpions and fucking gigantic spiders and stuff like that but for the temperature and the condition it would be perfect for my disease uh, where I live, it's basically, we're built on limestone, and, uh, my doctor basically told me, you know, you can, uh, handpick the worst city to live in, besides probably Vancouver, for dampness, because limestone's a motherfucker for dampness and holding in wet and damp and shit, so, my doctor always said, like, you, you got a, a rough, you live in a rough town, man, for, like, a rough city for your condition because of the dampness, but, what can you do, man? That's where I live. So, but I just wish somebody would explain that back to me, you know, a, a lot better back then. Like, they tried to explain to me that this is a disease, you know, it's going to affect your spine. You got to make sure you sit straight up, you know, but never really emphasizing that. And I've even had one specialist tell me and one family doctor tell me that, oh, you're probably going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 20 or 21, anyways so you know don't worry about it you know your life's pretty much fucked you know you're not ever gonna have a great job or anything like that this is the shit that these people were telling me back when i was like 17 years old you know not everybody but some of these doctors were saying that kind of shit to me and that i think is where i got the where i never getting into a fucking wheelchair it ain't gonna happen and so far i've never had to get into one uh and I just wish, like I said, somebody would have sat down and said to me, like, this is a disease. You're going to have a, you can have a, uh, you're going to have a painful life, but you, it's going to be a normal life. Like, it's not going to be, you're not going to be fused up in like a year. It's going to take a lot of years for this disease to do its damage. And if we can get the pain under control, then you're going to have a pretty decent life. I wish somebody would explain that. Instead, I've got some doctors just telling me, well, we can, we can just deal with the pain, you know, and not in a, you know, they didn't, like, there wasn't back then, there wasn't, a, like, other alternative treatments, there was not a lot of, uh, different products out there, so basically, they, my, my doctor's, uh, family doctor's solution was just to throw painkillers down my throat for, you know, starting off with Tylenol 3s, which I fucking must have taken a million of those in my life, uh, to the point where the doctor had to take me off him because I was having to take so many like he's like your liver is just not going to be able to take any more of this it's just you're getting to a toxic level so you know then they put you on a long acting like or they put you on morphine you know and it, it the shit just goes on and on from there and which is what they did to me you know I've I've probably been on every fucking painkiller the only painkiller I can think of that I haven't been on is like fentanyl or something like that, which my one doctor at one time, you know, in his wisdom 10 years ago said we should put you on a fucking fentanyl patch, which thank God I did not fucking agree to. I mean, I'm just like, no, I'm not in that much pain and I need a fucking pain patch. You know, just give me my fucking Tylenol 3s. I was, I love Tylenol 3s. I still to this day think that Tylenol 3s is probably one of the best painkillers that you can take. I mean, you know, other than the side effects of, like, you cannot shit. When you're on high doses of codeine, your asshole just stops working. I mean, like, I, like you you just, you stop shitting. And that is one of the de one of the only side effects that I can say that sucks about any painkiller is that your asshole stops. 
Then the doctors are putting fucking you on stool softeners and laxatives, and then you can't shit for fucking seven days, and you shit marbles, you know. You, you know people, you know, anyone that's listening to this that's ever been on painkillers, you know I'm speaking 100% truth, you know. You just, your asshole stops. It just, it just does. And that's one of the things about painkillers that is just awful. But that was their solution back then. You know, let's throw fucking painkillers down his throat, which, you know, did help. You know, it it definitely helped. They got, it took the pain away in my back and that. But, oh, what a slippery slope those painkillers can be. You know, anyone that's ever been on them knows what I mean. Like, you're always having to increase your dose. It's amazing how the body can get immune to that shit and how fast. And, uh... One of my saving graces, I think, was that I did start drinking. I mean, I did I did, basically trade in one form of painkilling for another. I t- went off of my pills because I really enjoyed drinking, which uh, is no surprise since everybody in my family on the male side are all heavy. We're all heavy drinkers. Uh, so definitely alcoholism is running in the male side of my family. So it doesn't surprise me one bit. That I fucking like drinking. I mean, I like drinking. I like the way I felt. Uh, my inhibitions went away. I didn't give a fuck about my disease. I felt good. And, you know, I got good at it. You know, I kept going back. I still remember going back to that fucking local restaurant every night. I would go and drink and, you know, have a... And then over time, you know, as anyone knows that drinks, you, you build a tolerance. You build a tolerance after, you know, six months, a year of going there. And I remember going every night doing that, meeting other people at the restaurant that were drinking. And, you know, you start forming a little clique of people that enjoy going out drinking. And there was, you know, in my neighborhood, there was like four or five of us that were all like not, I was the only one that had like a disease, was disabled. But I found a group of younger guys that, you know, we all just went out and drank. A couple girls that we knew, we, it was just a thing. We'd go to the restaurant. And we just sit there and drink, and I'm sure that restaurant is was thankful. I think I kept that, you know, me and my friends kept that restaurant in business just for the amount of fucking booze that we bought over those couple years, you know, until I basically got to the point where the restaurant wasn't enough, you know, listen, sitting at the restaurant, drinking myself into oblivion, listening to, you know, some shitty country station, music station, or MTV or something on their TV wasn't enough, and, you know, which was good for me because down the road there was another bar, a country bar, which had, you know, different nights like country night, rock night, other live bands and stuff. And that's where I started hanging out was at this bar and I had a fucking ton of fun there too. You know, I had a ton of fun back then, like when I was drinking heavy, you know, a lot of hangovers. I mean, God awful fucking hangovers. That's one thing I don't miss. You know, I quit drinking probably 10 years ago and that is one thing I don't miss. Those fucking hangovers. I mean, oh, God forbid you wake up and, oh, I can't, I couldn't even imagine what a hangover would feel like. Now, that is one thing I don't miss about drinking is those hangovers. You wake up just feeling like shit, fucking heads pounding, and fucking stomach hurts, fucking thirsty as hell, you know, and then... With my drinking, I, as I got into it deeper, I remember for a good three or four years, I was definitely, would you consider a full-blown alcoholic, for sure. Like, I just, every day I had to drink, and like I said, I got very good at it. And uh, to the point where I started blacking out, you know, which is just awful when you're 
wake up in bed, you don't know how the fuck you got there, you don't know who got you there, you're looking over, make sure nobody's in the bed with you, you know, you're, you fucking stagger up and looking in the mirror, make sure you didn't get your ass kicked, or you, you know, you just, you know, that is the weirdest feeling, and I'm sure anyone that's listening to this can, can attest to that, that that is the weirdest fucking feeling when you wake up and you've blacked out, and you know, you remember at some point you were at the bar, you know, nine, ten o'clock at night, and then the next morning is next thing you remember. That is just a really horrible feeling, you know. And then you wait for the phone calls of all your friends fucking phoning you and telling you what an ass you made it yourself or what you did that night. And uh, that's what basically got me to stop drinking too. Was I just I just had enough. I just after drinking for five or six years every day, it just it got to be too much. It got fucking expensive. Because I sure miss those days where I would go to the restaurant, order one beer, and I'd be drunk. You know, it cost me like five bucks back then, three, four or five dollars to get drunk. Near the end, you know, when you get into drinking, like, and you're good at it, you know, it's not like it's not unusual for you to spend two or three hundred dollars at a bar every night when you're drinking, or a hundred dollars, or you know, even fifty dollars. That shit adds up after a while. <clears throat> so I just remember that. That was when I just said I had enough, you know, and thank God for the woman I have today, you know, for, which is funny, it's story, one day I'll tell itself, because I did meet her at a bar, you know, we used to always go to the same watering hole, and always run into each other, and who would have thought, you know, 20 years later that that woman would be my wife, would have never thought it when I first met her at the bar, you know, but we were friends, and talked on the phone and hung out a little bit and just as drinking buddies and who would have ever thought you know life is strange that way maybe if I didn't get my disease I didn't go through all of that I would have never met her like who the fuck knows man I just sometimes I wonder if everything's not just planned out for us but uh you know you never know it was just weird you know maybe I would never would have met her and uh god knows I don't I think if I wouldn't have met her when I did I probably would have been dead because I was just not in a good place, you know, I was, I was having fun on the outside, uh, going out at night, hanging out with friends, drinking, putting on a good front, but inside I was dying, and, uh, there's so much in my story, you know, that it, this podcast would be 10 hours long, so as I remember things, or things, you know, uh, come to light that I remember, you know, I'll definitely in other episodes bring them up and share them with you. So, you know, it's hard to talk about everything that happened in those years, but it just gives you a kind of an idea of what I went through, where I am, and uh, why I wanted to talk about this chronic pain issue. Um, like I said, to bring it back to what made me want to do this episode was seeing that people at this medical marijuana clinic, you know, and what I've been taking for the last couple of years is CBD oil, which is basically a, a tincture that you in a you have a bottle with like an eyedropper, and I take a full eyedropper uh, three or four times a day, and I can honestly say that the CBD has changed my life. It is incredible, and uh, I've been getting it uh, from a certain. Uh, place that sells it but i you know i always they they can't really at this place tell you what like they don't know exactly how many milligrams are in it they're not you know you don't know how they make it you don't know what's gone into it 
So that's why I went to the medical, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that's why I went to the clinic. I want to go, you know, the way where I know what, how many milligrams are in every bottle I get. It's been regulated. I know exactly what's in the, all in the product. I want to see if it makes, I, I've never tried it yet. Like I said, a few days ago was my first appointment. Uh, so I just ordered the medical CBD oil from the uh, approved uh, retailer for this clinic. And I'm, I will let you know if there's a big difference between the stuff that you get from the government and the stuff that you get at your local shop where you buy your weed and stuff. I just want to see if there's that big of a difference. Um, apparently, the lady I spoke with at the clinic told me there's going to be a huge difference. Like, she was that confident. She's like, this, you're going to see a huge difference in the stuff that is regulated and you know what you're getting in each bottle. So, I'll keep you updated on that. You know, all one person that may listen to this. Who knows? Maybe I'll get two views on this. I hope I do. Uh, this is a podcast I want to do at least a few times a week. If I have a, even a couple people that listen to my story and don't get too fucking bored or, you know, think I have some value, you know, I, like I said, that's why I call it Crip Ricks. I've been thinking, uh, every episode is going to be just different topics, different shit that I, I think about stuff. I, I do a lot of research on the internet, on YouTube about all kinds of different things, uh, geoengineering, uh, lots of stuff with uh, Mark Passio, who is a speaker in the uh, uh, truth community and stuff like that. If you look at, if you want to watch some really cool videos, go on YouTube and look under Mark Passio, and he does great lectures on natural law and uh, all different subjects that really open your mind, that really make you sit down and think. And I just love his lectures. He's probably got at least 10 or 12 lectures on YouTube. But just to warn you, the natural law seminar that he does, is it's the first one I would recommend that you watch. Uh, plus listening to his podcast on his website. Uh, you just look under, you do a search under Mark Passo, you'll find his website. And he does have a podcast. I would recommend that everybody listens to every episode of his podcast because they kind of build on each other. But... If you're like me and you like to watch uh, YouTube videos, I would definitely recommend that you go and check out his natural law seminar. But you're looking at it probably six or seven hours is about how long the seminar is. But it is worth every minute. And I can honestly say that the information I've learned from this person has changed my life. And uh, I would recommend it to everybody because I definitely uh, enjoy uh, what he has to say in his points of view. And, but that's like some of the things, like I like to research that. I'm definitely into music. As you know, if you heard my first podcast, I love music. I'm a tattoo artist. I've uh, been training now for about two and a half years. I love tattooing. That's going to be another podcast that I talk about, uh, my journey into tattooing and where it all started. So I hope you'll join me when you do see that up there. But as I said, it was just a... I'm into a lot of things and that's why I named the podcast what I did. It's just things that I talk about. I want to keep things 100% honest, but I also thought that it was only fair that you know a little about myself, a little bit about me and that, you know, I am an older gentleman. I have chronic pain. I live with chronic pain every day and I definitely want to hear from anybody that does listen to this podcast. Please 
send me a message here and uh, let me know if you have any questions or if you have any comments, any suggestions, if you want to talk about your story or tell me about your story, maybe I can do an interview with you. That would be great. And you can definitely send me an email at cryptricktattoos at gmail. Oh, sorry. Let me redo that again. I had to redo it. So cryptricktattoos at yahoo.com. And I'll even spell it out because that might be a little hard to uh, figure out what I'm saying. But it's spelled C-R-Y-P-T, Crypt, R-I-C-K, Rick, Tattoos, T-A-T-T-O-O-S, at Yahoo.com. And send me your story. Send me any questions you have. Any uh, thoughts you might have. I'm here, man. Like, I can, any advice I can give the through things I've been through or any recommendations, I'm more than happy to do. You can also find me on Instagram, of course, under Crypt Rick Tattoos. You can uh, send me a pr private message there if you have any questions. You can also see some of my tattoos that I've been doing over the last couple of years. I document everything in my tattooing career to show my progress which would be really cool to uh see if anybody uh checks that out but that's basically uh like i said why i wanted to do this uh episode today i wanted to talk about how you know cbd has basically changed my life it, it, for anybody that's in chronic pain i would recommend that you definitely definitely uh check it out it's definitely something that uh, changed my life and I think it could change yours uh, for dealing with your pain and with that I'd like to say thanks for everybody that's listened and uh, I appreciate uh, anybody that wants to leave comments like I said I gave you my email gave me my Instagram I'm looking forward to hearing from anybody and I want everybody to have a great day a safe day and uh, I will be back talking to you with episode three probably in the next day or two Take care and have a great day.